Hello. Hi. I'm Joel. And I'm Emily. And we are the host of Drink. Drunk. Dead. Dead. I was late. Yeah, very oh, well. late. If you're hearing this message, then this is probably your first time checking us out. In which case, you made a good decision. Yeah, you did. But we wanted to let you know that these first few episodes are a little rough around the edges, so you may want to pour yourself a little bit of a stiff drink for these ones. Or you can skip ahead to episode five. I think that's when we really started to get the feel for what we were doing. We hope that you enjoy this journey of Drink Drunk Dead. And join us as we raise a toast to our ghosts. So this is drink drunk dead dead dead. And this is our first episode numero uno of our podcast. Yes. Yeah. We actually had this is technically our fourth time recording because we had previously recorded three episodes but we had all kinds of audio issues so hopefully we have those worked out at this point. So okay. I, I'm Emily. And I'm Joel. Right? Yeah, I think that's your name. I hope so. <laughs> I've been giving somebody else credit all my life. That would be a little weird. If I'm writing the wrong name on all my shit. That would be really sad. What if you found out, like halfway through your somebody life, was freeloading off my. That you weren't actually work? Joel. Maybe you were switched at birth. Maybe. And your real name was. Robert. Ew. Bob. You just forget I ever existed as a Robert. <laughs> you don't look like a Robert. No. So the idea of this podcast, it actually arose out of a YouTube channel that we used to have called Booze and Booze. And it was essentially the same concept. So we decided that since I'm a big believer in the paranormal and he's a bit of a baby about the paranormal... That it would be kind of fun to tell him scary stories and see not. if he gets all freaked out. Not a baby. You're a little bit of a wuss about it. I have a beard. Shall we summon Elizabeth from upstairs? Yes. She's our house ghost, by the way. She is our house ghost. Yes. So the idea had been to tell each other scary stories, but when we put it on YouTube, one, it was a big old pain in the butt trying to edit all that video. Two, I had to do makeup, which... I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And three, it really just was, it's definitely better suited for a podcast. So here we are. We still got to wear comfy pants though. Yeah. You just couldn't see it. Right. It's all underneath the table. Yeah. Sweatpants on a nice top. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't need to know that. That works. <laughs> it's the Hollywood illusion, right? In Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. Our drink today, we are drinking voodoo shooters. Mm. If you can't guess what our topic is. Ooh. Voodoo. That's why we're drinking the voodoo shooter, you goober. Shaking his head at me. You opened the wrong story, didn't we you? We started with the <laughs> with the objects. No, we're doing that one next. We said we were going to do this one first. <laughs> See, I told you we recorded I three episodes my, already. I read the other one because I was getting prepared for the other one. <laughs> so we're doing voodoo. 
and we have voodoo shooters and what goes into it it is a half ounce each of a coffee liqueur and then what is it? it's like a cream a rum chata yeah it's rum chata and then we use the gold rum it's supposed to it's calling for high proof rum but i don't know that they one. they don't make 151 anymore at least i can't get it here it might have been behind the counter so the idea is you put in the coffee liqueur first and then on top of that you float the rum chata so you use the back of a spoon and you pour the rum chata over it and then on top of the rum chata you float the rum and it makes this really pretty three tier it kind of looks like a little three layer cake it's pretty tasty it has kind of a cinnamon coffee taste to it mm-hmm. i like it like a bailey's yeah better than bailey's well bailey's is irish a cream a lot of rum in there yeah and i made these <laughs> it's supposed to be a half ounce but i was really lazy and a one shot is about an ounce and a half mm-hmm. so i just tripled it <laughs> so <laughs> we're starting this podcast yeah, right. off right <laughs> it's past 12 o'clock we're fine so yeah, we uh, we had some trouble with our previous recordings. So this was actually supposed to be originally episode number three, but we're starting it off as episode number one. It is our voodoo topic. Voodoo. Oh, did you have anything interesting happen this week? No. Nothing at all? But I hear you did. I, I always have interesting things that happen. Mm-hmm. So you know how down at, at school, at State College... I'd been in the hotel room. I kept seeing these dark shadows, even though my windows were completely... I have those dark shades, and there's right. no light that's coming in from outside, but I kept seeing the shadow that would dance back and forth mm-hmm. last week. Well, when I was down there this week... So I have those big totes. Yeah. And the lid from one of them was open. It was vertical. It was up on its side. And the underside is a little bit shiny and reflective. And I was sitting on the bed, and... The lid of the tote is vertical facing me. So the reflection is towards me and I'm against the wall. So there's no light source from my side of the room except for the lamp and that thing ain't moving, right? Right. All of a sudden, I start seeing a light that travels across the reflection on this tote lid. Mm-hmm. And then a few seconds later, the light will travel back the other way. But there's nothing from my side of the room that could have possibly made that light. I checked. I looked around. I'm like, is it my phone? Is it the computer? The co- no, the computer's facing me, so there's no reflection. Maybe the light from the computer bounced off your glasses and over to the... That would be a pretty bright light. Because that thing was across the room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, edit that one out. <laughs> or leave it in. Okay. <laughs> Getting real here. I'll drink drunk dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so that was my first weird thing. And then the day that I was going to come home, I'm walking around campus. And, you know, all of the sidewalks are tree-lined, right? Uh-huh. So I'm walking down the sidewalk, and I hear this in the tree next to me, this shake, like something thudded out of the tree, something big fell uh-huh. out of the tree, an animal. And then I hear this screaming and it's a freaking squirrel. It must have jumped down from higher in the tree. And it's uh, right next yes. to my face, just screaming. It scared the hell out of me. I jumped so you hard. you anything? No, but you I yelped and people around me were staring at me like, what is wrong with this chick? 
Like it's this crazy ass squirrel over here just screaming they bloody murder screaming. Huh? They think you were screaming? No, but I don't think they recognize that it was a squirrel that was screaming. Have you ever heard a squirrel scream? Probably. It is a weird sound. The yeah. Squirrels so are pretty. It weirded me out. Abundant down there. And they're really chill with all the all the people. The squirrels, yeah, they're pretty brave. Yeah. So we've had our drinks. We are on our way to being a little drunk. <laughs> Very drunk. <laughs> if you are over 21 and you are not driving anywhere, we invite you to join us. Go ahead, make up one of these voodoo sh- shooters. I almost said shaker, that ain't right. Voodoo shaker. Shooters. Make a voodoo shooter and join us. So now it is time for the dead. So do you want to go first or shall I? I'll go first. You go first? Okay. So I have a story from a woman never gives the name she is a psychiatrist uh in training she works at a psychiatric hospital she's doing what's it called they're they're Uh, round not rounds when they get their training in the hospitals it's right on the tip of my tongue but i can't think of what it is (laughs) feel stupid right now it's all the liquor already sister's doing it right residency residency there we go high five for you so she's doing her residency right she starts off by saying the stories I've heard within these walls could fill a book, but there is one in particular that has caused me to lose sleep. So she has this new patient whose name is Tamise and Tamise. And this woman was in her late thirties, a Haitian immigrant who had recently moved to the United States. Uh, being at a psychiatric hospital, she kind of expected to see or expected to walk into the room and see some, you know, a mess of a woman but was greeted by one of the nicest, most refreshing kind of people that you could meet in a psychiatric hospital. So they allow the the patients there to decorate their rooms, and when she walks in, all she had seen was a line of dolls on the shelf that this woman had stitched herself. Dolls are creepy enough as it is. Dolls are very creepy, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know. Especially if you see like a shelf full of dolls just staring at you. Right, like who needs that many dolls? No. Not Nobody, even, even little girls, don't need that many right. dolls. Just weird. Go get friends. <laughs> freaking shut-ins. Go get a friend. Right. <laughs> Stop building so your talking friends. Talking to your freaking dolls. We ain't judging you if you do. <laughs> we're judging you. So each of these dolls, they were they're very in- intricate and made with a lot of detail. Um, she she put some time into these things. So the story goes that three months prior to this first meeting that these two had had the psychiatrist and this woman Tamise had confronted her neighbor with a knife and claimed that he was breaking into her apartment and moving things around in an attempt into frightening frightening her to leave the most bizarre accusation she levied against him was that he had tunneled a hole into her apartment into her closet and then would rape her wait at night tunneled a hole yeah their apartments were right next to each other like they were connected oh so he cut like cut a hole in the wall yeah because there's not that much space between apartments as we can attest you can hear the people on the other side of our walls two pieces of drywall yeah so he cut a hole okay right so she stabbed him in the chest and lucky for him he escaped the building uh the wound wasn't fatal or anything so when she spoke, she spoke with such serenity and ease in her voice. And when she was questioned about the relationship with her neighbor, she just replies, He a mean old man, evil man, that rotten scowl on his face. He knew what he done. 
but he's smiling now, child. He's smiling now. That's what she said to the psychiatrist. And she was pointing to the dolls when she was saying these things, too. So at the at the hearing for the stabbing, Mr. Calvin Caldwell, it's this, her neighbor's name, uh, testified to all of it via Skype from his hospital bed. And he remarked about her strange and demonic religious practices. He shouted that she was a violent cycle and a delusional nut job. I think we all know some of those kind of people, though. No one spoke up in her defense. So the prosecution. Yeah, right. She was an immigrant. She probably didn't know many people here. So the prosecution stated that uh, this crazed foreigner was a menace, dangerous, and absolutely unapologetic for her crimes. Okay, but can we we step back for just a second? So she's stabbing this guy, right? Mm -hmm. And the claim is that he was trying to rape her. Mm -hmm. He was forcing himself on her. and, And that he got into her apartment through this hole that he'd cut. Right. So she stabbed him in her apartment. No. Didn't she stab him when he was trying to get no. at her? What did I miss? I she stabbed know. him in the chest. Right. But not in her apartment? No. Then why the heck would she stab him in the chest? Like that, you can't claim self-defense. She wasn't. She just like pulled up on him one day and stabbed him in the chest. Okay. Because he was doing these things. Okay. Are you confusion? I am confusion. About what? Arkansas. Why am I at her? <laughs> I'm confused because she says that he cut a hole in her wall Mm -hmm. and he would try to climb through to try and get at her. He did. He did. Okay. Oh, so he did. He had already forced himself on her. At least that's what she said. Okay. And then she's saying that she stabbed him is basically him getting what he deserves, but that was outside of her apartment. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I was confused. I was thinking if she stabbed him inside of her apartment, then... That's kind of your evidence right there that he was where he shouldn't be. Right, but the prosecution didn't even try to validate her claims at all. They never went to the apartment to go see if there was actually a hole drilled in the wall. They just believed this guy because she was crazy and she was an immigrant. And nobody would speak up for her. Right. That's kind of crappy. Happens a lot, I'm sure. Okay, so he's testifying against her and, well, he's testifying that she's cuckoo crazy and nobody's... That's why she's here now. Yeah. Okay. So, next day comes about. At the psychiatric hospital. So this, this psychiatrist shows up and sees that Tamiz is on her caseload again today. And she was curious about why, why this woman had done what she did. And she tried to coax an answer out of her asking about the incident with the neighbor. And Tamiz just seized up for a moment. And then a smile appearing shortly after. And she says, not much to say. He know what he did. He was a mean old man. Never smile once in his miserable, miserable life, but he's smiling now. And then she stands up, walks over to the dolls, picks ones up, picks ones, picks one up and handed it to the psychiatrist. It was, it was plain, but in the belly of the doll was a pin with red yarn pulled upward towards the head and created a smile beneath its two beady eyes. Kind of weird, right? Yeah. It's almost hard to picture it. I can't. It's just, but why? (laughs) So she says, you'll see soon enough. He's smiling. He's smiling. So a psychiatrist had thought that this woman was way too nice to kill somebody. She always had a smile on her face. She was always excited to see, see her when she walks in. And she wanted to kind of do her own digging. So she wanted to reevaluate the woman's case. She had woken up that night early in the morning. And she heard loud scratching noises filling the silence. She turns on the lamp, and as she did this, uh, a loud crashing noise filled the air. So it was coming from the closet. So she grabs the lamp. Stupid, right? Why would you grab the only thing that's giving you light? (laughs) Try to defend yourself with it. 
and walks towards the closet. So she turns on the life, the, the light in the closet, and she sees a life-size version of the doll that Tamise had shown her. Okay, have you seen the episode of Supernatural? No, you don't watch Supernatural at all. Yeah. So there's this episode of Supernatural where they go to this town where everybody's wishes are coming true. Mm-hmm. Like this guy wishes for the love of his life to love him forever. And another kid wishes for superpowers. And this little girl wishes that her teddy bear was real. And it's this life-size teddy bear. And it's a, to- it's a drunk and it's all depressed about yeah. the real world. It's like Ted. <laughs> it's what it makes me think. No, this thing, it wasn't like a little teddy bear. It's mm. a full-size, six-foot, human-sized teddy bear that's a drunk. Just hates the world. It needs to come on our show. Yeah, it could come a tell us some bear. of its stories. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but that's what Let's I pictured. He might be a little expensive, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I pictured when you said life-size doll. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the My Buddy from the early 90s. The My Buddy dolls. Those things were creepy, man. They were three-foot-tall dolls for kids, and they looked like other kids, and they were creepy. Yeah, the commercials just creepy. have this kid sitting, the, the My Buddy doll sitting up in a tree looking down at people. It's, yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> Didn't like it? No. You not, never had one? N- no. You should get one. Pass. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm picturing when you say life-size dolls, these creepy dolls yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in the closet just staring at her. Hello. They're coming for you. So, so she sees this doll that's standing, staring right into her eyes and the pin in its stomach. So behind the doll was a crude tunnel that was excavated from the next door apartment. So the doll began to walk towards her until she eventually fell on the bed. Um, a hand grasped her shoulder when she fell back, turning to see Tamise's smiling face crouched next to her bed. And she says, now you've seen what he done. No matter, he's smiling now, he's smiling now. And then she wakes up. It was a dream. I need to sleep after that. Right? (laughs) I'm taking the whole week off. No, thank you. So she gets to work the next day. And she saw once again that she was going to be meeting with Tamise. Um, Instead of being excited this time, she she was dreading it. She didn't want to go in after that dream. It freaked her the hell out. Uh, So she she was feeling nauseous walking into the room. And Tamise was smiling more bright than usual this day. And before she could even say anything... Tamise asks, how did you sleep last night? And so she runs out of the room, leaves the building, and takes the day off. <laughs> Do you blame Rightfully her? so, right? <laughs> peace out. Yeah, like, no thanks. Uh, so as she's heading home, she wanted to settle the debate in her head about the truth. And she had memorized Tamise's address from a rap sheet and went to the apartment complex. So she rung up to the superintendent, uh, wanting to ask him a few questions and he was not fond of Timmy's or the neighbor just saying that they're both they were always just troubled they were always so loud Caldwell was always bringing people into the apartment like just random people and he was kind of just a scrooge he was always angry about something never smiling which was what Timmy's had said right and then he finds out or she finds out that Caldwell had wanted to take over Timmy's apartment because he wanted to knock down the wall and turn it into you know like a double wide kind mm-hmm. of which, again, was something that Tamise had said, that he was trying to kick her out. He was doing all these different things to scare her into leaving. So she found Caldwell's house and went up. And so she knocks on the door and nobody answers. Tries opening the door and it was open. So, of course, she goes in. It's like every TV show mm-hmm. ever. Knock, knock. Nobody's home. Oh, it's unlocked. I'm just going to stroll yeah. right on in. <laughs> 
There couldn't be any legality issues here at no, all. There's blood pouring out from underneath the, the door frame. I wonder what this is. Thing. So when she goes in, she says that the room was just absolutely disgusting. There was garbage all over and a pungent smell that kept hitting her, her nose, just smacking her right in the face with it. And it becomes even stronger as she gets nearer to the kitchen. So she's looking through, rummaging through things. And as she made her way to the bedroom, making note that this would be the room adjacent to Tamiz's apartment, the smell got even worse. So she knocks again on the bedroom door, and there's no reply. So she op- she goes into the bedroom. And when she opens the door, the, the smell had assaulted her nose more than it had in the, in the kitchen or even outside of the door. She wanted to run, but some smell or some, some force was pushing her to find the truth. <laughs> Some smell, yeah, right. <laughs> it's just so bad. She's locked this in place. This putrid smell, but you need to go find it. So she goes into the room again, which is all just dirty and shit thrown everywhere. And she sees that the dresser that's along the wall was askew. So she got on her knees, pulls it out even further, and finds that there's a the, the wall has been ripped apart and there's a little tunnel. So she pulls out her phone to shine a light in, and what she sees was pure terror. Mr. Caldwell sat there in Tamise's closet, facing towards the opening with dead beady eyes. A knife plunged into his stomach, and through the gaping hole in his gut, he had yanked out his intestines and pulled them across him, his mouth, stretching them upwards until what could only re- resemble one thing. Ew. A red beaming smile. Ew, like he did that to himself? Mm-hmm. So That's she had placed messed. a spell on this man. That's what she did with the doll. The pin was the knife, and the red yarn was his guts coming around over his to make him smile that is messed up it's pretty fucked up like she could have just done something like the joker you know Double she had smile to make him the joker she had to make him pull his guts out and do it that, that way that is brutal yeah i don't even really know what to say to that don't fuck with Timmy's. yeah i mean what he did was awful and by no means is it something he should get away with it's not a forgivable thing taking what he did from her mm-hmm. but that's a pretty horrific death Right. That's something they used to do in the Middle Ages when they would, like, draw and quarter. And the drawing was pulling your guts out while you were still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nasty. Pretty freaky. Yeah. Freaky shit. Not a fan. Not a fan? Mm-mm. I don't know that I am either, but that's why you don't fuck with the freaky ones. The quiet ones you got to watch out for. So that's your that, that's your story. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. To me, it's a sad story with a dark end. Yeah. What goes around comes around, I guess. Dude, I bet that guy's haunting that apartment right. now. Could you imagine running into his ghost? What that must look like? Instead of a dress, you know, the the traditional white dress ghost, it'd just be his guts falling behind him. Ugh. Ugh. Or maybe there's this nasty smell that follows him everywhere. Like, you mm-hmm. smell him coming before you see him. Mm. It's freaky. That's how you know he's there. Yeah. Ew. Ew. I bet he's just as much a jerk in death as he was in there. Probably. Probably even more. Running around, big old sourpuss. But she put that forever smile on his face. He's smiling now, child. He's smiling now. Ugh, no. Okay. Your turn, baby. My turn. Let's do it. So, my story starts in, I'm going to mispronounce this, Manshack Swamp. Manshack? Manshack Swamp. It's also known as Ghost Swamp, and it's a wetland that's about a half hour northwest of New Orleans, and it's everything that one might expect a supposedly haunted place to look like. (laughs) The swamp is known for its murky, stagnant green waters and groves of eerie trees draped in moss. 
so that the Spanish moss bar. that just kind of hangs down. Yeah. It is thick with swamp ooze and choked with vegetation, algae, and floating logs, so it's some nasty water. Don't go for a swim. What if I want to? Well, the marsh is also infested with snakes and gators that prowl the waterways and mud-caked shores, so I wouldn't recommend it unless you want to die. That's not so bad. Might lose a limb. I don't know. Who said we need it in the first place? Yeah. Decrepit cabins, cloaked by brush and giving no indication of whether they're inhabited, perch at the edges of the mosquito-choked water. The woods are remnants of the now-abandoned lodging Lodging. Logging. I wrote lodging. I mean logging. <laughs> Towns of Reddick, Frenier, and Napton. Locals consider the swamp haunted not just because it has direct ties to the Rougarou and Cajun werewolves, but also the black magic and voodoo practices that were passed down from generation to generation. Adding to the tales of werewolves, ghosts, and voodoo curses are the various other strange phenomena reported from the swamp. So they have things like mystery lights you ever see the ghost lights where it's just this white that kind of hovers out in the distance like an orb yeah kind of so they see mystery lights uh shadowy apparitions orb orbs of lights and glow so a lot of light emanating from abandoned cabins so these are really common things to hear about and there are a few stories of like monster alligators Mm -hmm. that are far larger than normal prowling through the remote areas of the swamp And one of the most popular stories to come from the swamp is about a voodoo priestess named Julia Brown, sometimes also called Julie Julie White, Julia Black, or Aunt Julia. Isn't there a movie on Netflix called Julia Black? Is there? Julia White. I don't know. I'd have to check it out. I thought that sounds familiar. I would totally want to watch that. (laughs) So according to legend, Julia Brown cursed the swamp before the time of her remarkable death in 1915. She cursed it before she died? She cursed it before she died. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory here because her life was really interesting. Uh, Voodoo was really prominent in Louisiana at the time. So Mm -hmm. we're thinking mid to late 1800s, early 1900s. And it had been brought to the area by the West African slaves during the colonial period and the refugees that had been escaping the Haitian revolution of the 18th and early 19th centuries. There were so many voodoo practitioners within New Orleans that Louisiana soon evolved its own brand of the religion, which relied heavily on and is characterized by its charms and amulets, amulets, also known as grigri, and poisons, and, and all this gave rise to the infamous and creepy pincushion dolls. Louisiana voodoo also brought about the reign of the voodoo queens, who were priestesses that held great power and influence in their respective communities. Some of these voodoo priestesses were so well known that to this day their graves command a lot of respect, and people will gather around them and they'll leave gifts for them. And isn't, like there, isn't there something about um, if you go to like a, a voodoo priestess because uh, they're buried above ground? No? Yes. Yeah. Well, so down there you have to. Huh? You have to bury them above the ground because they're technically New, below yeah, sea okay. level. Yeah. I, well, just in general, not just in New Orleans, though. I think mo- most of the area around the religion. No, I think that's just it has to do more with the region. Okay. Well, I heard something that there were like if you go to voodoo priestess um, burial site and you like if you put an X on their tomb, like you you ask them to do something for you, you put the X, and then if they grant it, you have to come back and circle it. Mm-hmm. And then that lets everybody else know that 
the spirit still lives on and still practices, essentially. I think that has to do with another really well-known voodoo priestess. And I'm trying to remember, I think her name was Madame Laveau, but I'm not 100% positive. But yeah, I mean, they they really command a lot of respect. Mm -hmm. And voodoo in the tabloids and in Hollywood, they make it out to be this really dark thing. But it's actually a practicing religion, just like Christianity and Islam and Catholicism and all that. And it's not, the religion isn't dark. There are dark aspects to it, like any religion. We have demons and the devil in Christianity, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. But most of what this faith is about is healing and caring and taking care of your community. And it's, it's really, it's not a dark religion. It's about taking care of people and taking care of the ones around you. So voodoo is not meant to be dark. But there are people who use it that way, just like there are in any other religion. So who was Julia Brown? She is described by local legend as a voodoo priestess that lived near the end of the swamp and worked with residents in the town of Frenier in the late 1800s to early 1900s. Back when Brown was alive at the turn of the 20th century, the towns of Reddick, Frenier, and Napton were prosperous settlements clustered at the edge of Lake Pontchartrain, and they were sustained by logging the centuries-old cypress trees and farming cabbages in the thick black soil and cabbages stink, but I bet around that swamp you couldn't tell because swamps are stinky too. Cabbages smell awful in the sun, yeah. let me tell you. They smell so, awful in the dark. Do they stink? They smell like old socks. Mm. <laughs> I don't like cabbage. Except kale. I will take kale. So the railroad was the town's lifeline, and it would bring in groceries from New Orleans and haul away the logs and cabbages as far as Chicago. They had no roads, no doctors, and no electricity, but had managed to carve out a cohesive and self-reliant community, all three of them. And it turns out that Julia Brown was a real person. Census records suggest she was born Julia Bernard in Louisiana around 1845. And in 1880, she married Celestine Brown and changed her name to Julia Brown. About 20 years later, the federal government gave her husband a 40-acre homestead plot to farm property that likely passed on to Julia after her her husband's death around 1914. A modern New Orleans voodoo priestess, uh, Bloody Mary, who's also been interviewed by um, the Ghost Adventures guys. She Mm -hmm. did a thing on when they went to New Orleans, they interviewed Bloody Mary. So she's she's well known in New Orleans. So Bloody Mary told Mental Floss, which I think is just an online Mm -hmm. publication that she has found references to a voodoo priestess or queen by the name of Brown who worked in New Orleans around the 1860s before moving out to Frontier. So it makes sense, logically, that this is the same person. Mary notes that because the towns had no doctors, Brown likely served as the local healer and midwife using whatever knowledge and materials she could find to care for local residents. And Mary says that Brown was not a revengeful person. And that makes sense. Did she use voodoo in her medical practice or was it... Was this before anything like that? Was, um, she was a vo- she was a practicing voodoo priestess, but voodoo again was meant to heal, so she would have known how to right. use. Right. So did did she use like I guess common medical practices to, to treat people, or were, prob- was it like it would have been local herbs and spells and, okay. and prayers to gods and things things like that. Gotcha. Right. So all this agrees with legend which says that brown was a really was really good to the residents and in return the people respected her 
She was known for her charms and her curses, as well as for singing eerie songs with her guitar on her porch. We all know those creepy old ladies. We were watching the uh, spoon clapping creepy old lady today. (laughs) That woman was skilled, man. She had a talent. So she helped mothers during childbirth and aided in the curing of illnesses and infections that were difficult to treat and manage, especially when you're that far away from regular civilization. Mm-hmm. So based on circulated stories, Brown was a, a relatively good spirited person, but that all changed when the village started to take her for granted. People became ungrateful for her kindness, which led to her voodoo practices to kind of turn dark and turn into curses. Pissed, huh? huh? She's pissed. She got mad. And that really started to terrify the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. She's known for making hand gestures that no one could understand and staring at others with an intensity that would terrify a holy man but could you imagine if you're just you're an angry old woman and you know that you terrify people and you intimidate them you just sit on your porch and you make some weird hand gestures and it scares the crap out of the kids in the neighborhood yeah it might mean nothing at all but it's scaring people probably a little bit she i'm sure she laughed to herself about that you probably would oh i totally would yeah it doesn't mean anything at all but it's, it's giving me a good little kick yeah so according to reports, residents of the town would hear Brown singing. Uh, they'd hear her singing concerning lyrics in which she predicted terrible things that would happen to the people that had wronged her. An oral history account from longtime area resident Helen Schlosser, Schlosser Berg. <laughs> what record, a name. Yeah, it's a Schlosser. Put you too many S's. Mm-mm. Schlosser Berg. You, you have to say Schlosser. <laughs> Your tongue just can't do it. <laughs> So her account says that Aunt Julia Brown always sat on her front porch and played her guitar and sang songs that she would make up. And shortly before she died, she was heard repeatedly singing and chanting, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to take all of you with me. And then she dies. Does everybody go with her? Well, on September 29th in 1915, the day that Julia is being laid to rest, a tremendous Category 4 storm with sustained winds of 145 miles an hour approaches the coast of Louisiana. And it hits the town, causing a devastating tidal wave that sweeps through. In Frenier, where Julia lived, the storm surge rose 13 feet and the winds howled at 125 miles an hour. Many of the townsfolk sought refuge in the railroad depot, mm-hmm. but that collapsed and it killed 25 people. Damn. Yeah. Altogether... Close to 300 people in Louisiana died, with almost 60 in Frenier and Ruddock alone. So these are small towns. Do you think every time a, a hurricane comes through, it's because a voodoo priestess passes? No, I think it's because of global climate change these days. I think I think voodoo is more likely than this climate change you talk of. Sometimes I really don't appreciate your sense of humor. Okay, so a lot of people died, right? Mm-hmm. Small towns, 300 people dead. When the storm cleared on October 1st, Frenier, Ruddock, and Nafton, those three small logging towns, had been entirely swept away. The homes were flattened, buildings demolished, and miles of railway tracks had washed had washed away. I put washed destroyed. Shows you I don't edit this at all mm. before I read it. One of the few survivors later described how he'd clung to an upturned cypress tree and shut his ears against the screams of those drowning in the swamp. And think about it. Like, if you're, if you don't, drown or you're not crushed by buildings but then you're dragged out by this tidal wave into the swamp with the gators and the snakes mm-hmm. who you're... can survive in the water oh, that, i mean I, but it's not like 
I think the alligators would probably be already a little bit overwhelmed. I don't know that they'd straight up be looking for a meal right away, you know, because alligators aren't necessarily always aggressive. I think they're like a lot like like sharks. They only hunt when they're looking for a meal. Hmm, You're more likely to die in a plane crash than to get eaten by a shark. I am not an alligator biologist. I really cannot tell you how Change accurate major. that. Huh? Change, Change my major. major. <laughs> okay. A newspaper in 1915, the New Orleans Times-Picayune, I love that name, Picayune, documented Julia Brown's funeral on the day of the storm. And so I'm going to read this verbatim. There might be some bits that are, they're not PC. They're a little, they're a bit offensive. But this is, this is the actual publication, so I'm reading this word for word. Many pranks were played by wind and tide. Negroes had gathered for miles around to attend the funeral, funeral, oh my lordy, of Aunt Julia Brown, an old negress who was well-known in that section and was a big property owner. The funeral was scheduled. Aunt Julia had been placed in her casket, and the casket in turn had been placed in the customary wooden box and sealed. At four o'clock, however, the storm had become so violent that the negroes left the house in a stampede, abandoning the corpse. The corpse was found Thursday, and so was the wooden box, but the casket has never been found. According to lore, Julia, along with all of those who had been killed at her funeral, were unceremon- unceremoniously buried in a mass grave somewhere in the swamp, but they, they don't know where. Mm-hmm. So they know that there were, you know, probably 60, 200, maybe 200 people buried in a mass grave. So we don't know where Aunt Julia is anymore. There are reports that even to this day, many bodies remain lodged within the slimy muck at the bottom of the swamp and that... Even now, occasionally a body will float up through the muddy swill to the surface. Although I don't, it would probably pretty be pretty well decayed. I was gonna say preserved, but that's a really warm area. Bugs and stuff. Yeah, it's it's warm. There are a lot of predators in the area. It's not like being buried like a body that's found in the peat moss in Ireland and Scotland, where it's really. It's abiotic, which means there's no oxygen there. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to break down the body in, in the peat moss. But there probably is in the swamps. It's it's not that yeah. inactive of an area. And there's there are enough other things there with the tides and salts that I can't imagine those bodies would be that well preserved there. We'll have I, to do some digging, <laughs> literally. Even if it isn't that well preserved, seeing bones pop up or yeah. skull flow by that's still nasty <laughs> a right. little bit terrifying so oh, there's a femur yeah gross floating down river many tried to rebuild the town again but most simply abandoned the island that was once julia's isolated home it's believed that her curse lived on which is the purported the purported that's i don't like that word purported yeah it's so it's believed it's the cause of a fatal collapse of the Manchac Bridge in 1976. Although this bridge was rebuilt and the new big-ass bridge it put the, the feet of the bridge on here, but I don't care. The new big-ass bridge has escaped the curse. Bloody Mary, the, the modern priestess, doesn't think that Brown laid any kind of curse on the town. She says that voodoo isn't as much about curses as it is about healing. The locals she has spoken to remember Julia as a beloved local healer, not a revengeful type. In fact, Mary suggests that Julia's song may have been more warning to the townsfolk than a curse against them. And perhaps Brown even tried to perform an anti-storm ritual and was unable to stop the hurricane before it was too late. Hmm. 
But whatever she did, Mary says, it wasn't out of malevolence. So that that's her feeling. And if, she, if she's still in the swamp, you have less to fear from her than from the alligators. Peaceful lady. Mm-hmm. Either way, the reputation of Manchak. Manchak. Makes me think of that. Manchak, baby. Oh, okay. But this might be like the more R-rated one. The Manchak, baby. <clears throat> yeah, moving on. Manchak Swamp <laughs> became a hotspot for paranormal activity. And it was featured several times in paranormal TV shows. Like, I don't think it was featured in the Ghost Adventures, although I couldn't find that episode to say for sure. I know that Bloody Mary definitely was, but mm-hmm. I don't know about the swamp. I think they just stayed in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And since then, the voices of the dead and the apparition of Brown herself are said to haunt the swamp, with Brown's ghost reportedly having the habit of repeating the same eerie chant she had sung before her death and playing the tune on her guitar. Visitors and locals report tales of moans and screams from an unknown woman's voice and cries from the victims of the old hurricane can still faintly be heard in the distance. However, no one can ever be found. Pretty freaky. Yeah. So that's the history of the Manshack Swamp and the history behind the haunting. Mm -hmm. But now I have an account from someone who thinks that they ran into Aunt Julia. Mm. You want to hear it? Sure. Okay. So this was... Submitted four years ago on Reddit No Sleep by Boobaloo the Stink. And you know when I look at the Reddit, I go through, I I look at what people post. Mm -hmm. So I'm making sure that they're not posting a whole bunch of stories and they're not just practicing story writers. Mm -hmm. This is the only thing that she put up that had anything like this. Everything else was, I'm a mom, here are all my mom's stories, oh I waited at Starbucks and it sucks, kind of stuff. Basic white girl shit. I didn't get my pumpkin spice latte and now I'm upset. <laughs> I don't know. I don't... <laughs> God, no. I got salt stains on my Uggs. Fuck. <laughs> no. So it's basic. It's definitely like, it's just basic mom stuff. Stuff I could relate to. Yes, you can. <laughs> okay. So she says, my husband and I are from North Carolina, but my mother recently remarried and moved to Hammond, Louisiana. I'm also pregnant and I desperately needed to take a vacation to see my mom because we both really miss each other and she can't be with me all the time now. Kind of sucky, but it was a great excuse to go see my mom and her new husband and go to a Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans since it wasn't that far away. And heck yeah. Although I imagine it wouldn't be as much fun if you can't drink. And with your mom. Like what if your mom can drink but you can't? No, I don't think she went with her mom. I think she went to Mardi Gras with her husband. It just wasn't that far from her mom where her mom lives. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go to Mardi Gras with my mom. <laughs> mom gets plastered and then starts collecting beads. <laughs> no. Oh my God, if she ever listens to this, I'm cutting that out. We ended up going and having a pretty cool time. I can't walk or stand up constantly without resting or having to pee. This baby likes to use my bladder as a bouncy cushion. So that kind of dampened the experience, but New Orleans is super cool. Scary and wild, but in a fun way. We slept in the next morning after the parade and ate breakfast before making the drive back to my mom's house. It's not a very far drive. It took us about an hour or a little more to get to New Orleans the day before, but I guess I had too much water and orange juice to drink with breakfast, and I knew I wasn't going to make it back to my mom's house without needing to do my business. Traffic was awful trying to get out of New Orleans, and we got lost once trying to figure out how to get back on the interstate. Yuck. So, needless to say, I had to go badly. She was doing the pee-pee dance yeah. in her seat. The shuffle. Yeah. 
It's hard when you have somebody pressing down on your butt. Right. It's like no control. We saw an exit sign for a town called Ruddock, so my husband took it in the hopes it had a restroom or a gas station. From what we could see, which was nothing, there was no gas station or restaurant or anything. So we kept driving down this little road just in case and ended up at the edge of the water. So they're right at the edge of the swamp. Mm -hmm. It looked like a boat launch where the road disappeared unceremoniously into the swamp water. My husband said we could turn back and find another restroom, but there was no point. I was going to piss all over myself before we found another exit. I asked him to guard me so I could squat and do my business just in case someone else decided to drive down and launch their boat. As I'm trying not to pee on my shoes, which is a challenge, by the way. Anybody who says you can aim as a woman, there's only so much you can do. Just need to get a wider stance. (laughs) Yeah, but try doing that when you're pregnant and your balance is all off. It's not easy, so I can feel her pain. (laughs) As I'm trying not to pee on my shoes on the other side of the truck, I heard him give a strange laugh. He suddenly jogged around the truck and gave me a smile like he thought something weird was happening. We've got company, he said, and looked back around the truck. He seemed perplexed but amused. And of course, I tried to finish as fast as possible and wipe with some fast food napkins while he waved his hands to rush me along. I figured whoever it was was actually coming to greet us and I didn't want to be caught with my pants down, literally. (laughs) Not a good first impression? No. Not one you want to give at least? I need a sip of this voodoo. Shooter. (laughs) I had shaker stuck in my head still. (laughs) That liquor sank to the bottom of that one. (laughs) Mix it too well, huh? That's got me feeling something. So I tidied up and followed him around the truck and was kind of relieved to see that it was a little old lady walking toward us slowly and kind of awkwardly, as little old ladies are wont to do. Where did she come from? I asked my husband. He shrugged and gave me a sideways look that said, It fucking beats me. But when she waved at us, we both waved back like it was the most normal thing in the world. We didn't feel threatened in any way. My husband <laughs> my husband muttered, Yeah, yeah, lady, we fucking see you. And I hit him in the arm so he'd shut up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally us. <laughs> that is definitely something you would say. Uh-huh. She looked just like any regular old lady. She was African-American and had thin white hair and wore a big sack-like dress. It kind of broke my heart to see suddenly that she wasn't wearing any shoes. She waddled closer and I realized how rude we were being and pulled my husband out to meet her stride. I later figured out that we both thought she had Alzheimer's and had somehow wandered away from her family. But it occurred to me how very odd that was seeing as we were miles from civilization in the heart of the swamplands. And I couldn't see how this little old lady could just wander down the interstate without someone noticing. It was very clear to us that there was no town of Ruddock. Nothing. Just a railroad track that runs parallel to the interstate and a boat launch. It was kind of unsettling. No houses or signs of life anywhere. So there's really no place that this woman could have come from. Right. I Yeah, that would be weird. She was wandering for quite a while. Yeah, but you'd think, I mean, even if she's barefoot, you would think you'd be able to tell that from looking at her feet. Cause it's that not, she's barefoot? She's barefoot. Didn't she, didn't they say she was barefoot? Yeah. yeah. You're saying you could notice she's barefoot? No, I'm saying if you look at her and you see that she's barefoot and she had to have come from quite some distance, her feet are going to show that. That's going to beat your feet up. They're not just going to look dirty. They're going to look bad, bloodied, beat up. Unless you've lived a whole life on your bare feet. She's not a hobbit. You don't know that. They didn't describe her feet as horrendously hairy. Well, maybe they just didn't notice it. Maybe it's 
fallen out in her old age. <laughs> her feet go bald with yeah. age. A moment in life we all look forward to. <laughs> yeah, maybe you. I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> when we got up close to her, we knew with swift embarrassment that she stunk. It made me recoil, and my husband told me later that he hadn't ever smelled anything quite like it. There was something acidic to it, like bile and sweat. I knew we had to help this lady somehow because she obviously had been wandering for a while without shoes, possibly for days. Hello, miss. It's kind of chilly out here. Are you all right? My husband asked, as kindly as he could. We were both having trouble trying to stay upwind of her smell. She smiled at us and showed us a few yellowed teeth. I had a creepy feeling about her suddenly. She told us her name was Aunt Julia and kept rocking back and forth on her feet. My husband kept talking to her and asking if she needed any help, but all I could do was stare at her because something was just really off. Still to this day, I can't describe what was truly wrong with her, but it wasn't Alzheimer's. Mm. She held up a hand to my husband's face and interrupted him mid-sentence. He was telling her he was going to call someone for to help her. Probably some nice police officers or something else, right? Then Aunt Julia beckoned us to follow her. Instantly, we're both on high alert. My husband told me to keep calm and stay with the truck so he could figure out what was going on. But I held on to his hand because I didn't want him to go with her. Let's just call the police and wait here, I begged him. She's just a little old lady. She's wandering away to the water. Look, let me go bring her back if I can and then we'll call someone, he assured me. He followed her out to the edge of the road where the water met it. I did too. He didn't really feel like arguing with me, so he didn't say anything when he saw that I had followed. The little old lady pointed at something off in the distance in the water. My husband and I both squinted really hard, but all we could see was something bobbing in the distance. I took him with me. Don't laugh at me. I know I sound ridiculous. <laughs> took him with me. She said. Her voice was stronger and way more menacing than I could have possibly imagined. Took who? Ma'am, please come back with us to the truck. We want to make sure you get home safe, my husband continued to try and reason with her. I took him with me. Just like I said I would, mm-hmm. She nodded. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. She looked angry. It was extremely unsettling, and I watched her rock back and forth on her feet in a restless way. Oh my god. Oh shit. Go back to the truck, Kay. What? Why? What's going on? Call 911. That's a fucking dead body. It's a floater, he shouted, pointing at the thing in the water. Aunt Julia started cackling just like someone you would hear in an insane asylum, and we both froze. Me watching her and him watching the body floating, bobbing in the swamp. I think that's the point when I'm Spartan kicking that bitch into the water and <laughs> bucking it back to my truck. This is Ruddock kick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sticking around. Little old, bra- old lady killed somebody and then put him out of the water. Like... Yeah, right? I realized that she was out of her mind, but not in the way some old ladies are. I took him with me, she laughed. And several more bodies popped up out of the water like submerged corks. I felt my stomach roll, and my husband and I retreated from her. They just retreat. They leave the little old lady there. I'm just like, no, you know what? It's going to step back from you. Yeah. <laughs> my butt's sticking to the seat. Okay. I waddled pregnant to the truck and grabbed his phone and dialed 911. I tried to keep my voice steady as I explained that we had found an old lady wandering around by herself off the Ruddock exit, and there were a couple of bodies floating in the swamp water. I stayed on the line with the operator for a few more minutes, describing several of the bodies. Women, men, possibly children. I remember breaking down on the line with the emergency operator because of the smaller bodies I'd seen. 
It's very hard to describe how horrified and upset I was. I also described the old lady and that she seemed to be claiming responsibility for it, but I wasn't sure. I made sure to explain to them that there was something very wrong with her. As I was relaying our location again and our names, my husband kept a close eye on on this creepy laughing old lady. She never did stop laughing and repeating herself about how she took him with her. Took him with her. Took him with her. Even when she, so she kept doing this, even when the first police car showed up. I know the officer saw the bodies. He even managed to smooth talk Aunt Julia into sliding into the backseat of his cruiser. As freaked out as my husband and I were, it would be a huge relief at least to be able to sleep easy later that night knowing that we had helped a crazy old lady get back to wherever she belonged and help solve some obvious deaths. We chatted with the officer for a little bit and he assured us that everything would be taken care of and took both of our statements. Soon another cop showed up and the first one went back to check on the old lady. Aunt Julia was gone. Maybe she's just really good at lockpicking. <laughs> that would be a good skill to have. Yeah, up. right? My husband and I even both looked for her in the back of the cruiser and tried helping the officer search for this old lady, but it was getting dark and I felt my feet getting too tired. Then the first officer noticed that the floaters he had seen in the water were gone too. Such a gross description. Floaters. Floaters. That's, I don't know. When I hear floater, I think of a turd just I was just going to say that. Sorry. That's terrible because these are supposed to be people, but all I can think of is like turds floating around. Caddyshack candy bar floating in the pool. (laughs) So the floaters are gone too. Just vanished. Adios. Nothing. Not a shred of clothing or a stretch of skin. Nada. We were about to ask if we could go home soon. I was more than a little shaken, expecting this crazy Aunt Julia to jump out at me from somewhere or whatever, when the second officer called my husband over. What did you say her name was again, he asked. She told me her name was Julia, my husband shrugged. I could tell he was too tired and just wanted to go home. No, no, she introduced herself as aunt, right? The officer asked. He had the strange look of dawning comprehension that struck a chord with me. Something was up. He even looked a little confused himself. Listen, if you folks are trying to pull my leg, I'm going to have to accuse you of filing a false police report, he said. Pretty sternly, kind of scared me. My husband bristled, but the first officer to arrive called him over and we heard him assure the second officer that yes, he had helped an old lady into the back of his cruiser earlier, and no, nobody was in on any prank. Can we go? I mean, you've got everything from us if you need to talk to us again, my husband grumbled. They both decided that we could go, but asked us to keep our phones near us since they were going to have to do a search in the swamp at some point and might need immediate contact. So we left after they had checked the truck bed and inner cab in case crazy Aunt Julia was hiding. <laughs> My husband and I really didn't know what happened after that or if they ever found anything in the water. I don't know if they ever found the old lady either. I haven't yet heard anything newsworthy about Reddick or about a bunch of bodies floating around in the swamp, so I'm guessing nothing much happened after we left. I don't even know Aunt Julia's last name to see if she comes up in some obituary or nursing home escape account. Nothing. Nobody ever called us back, and we never were asked to go to a police station. Freaky. Yeah. And that's the end of her story. I wonder if there's anywhere in, like, police reports, like, if there's any public records where they state this. I kind of wonder if this is something that happens a whole lot if they don't bother filing reports for it. Because do you really want traceable records of having to go out and investigate supernatural occurrences? Right. They, they probably don't want people knowing that they're doing that. Well, it seemed like the second officer knew of Aunt Julia. 
right? Yeah. So it must have been a tale that or a rumor or something that went around town like it happened before or this woman had some kind of presence. Yeah, maybe. You know, obviously this this legend of hers goes back a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So who knows? So it's a good thing we didn't go to Louisiana this year then. You ever want to go to Manchac Swamp? We'll stay away from that one. We'll just go to the Tabasco Island. You just want to go try all the hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Be down. <laughs> Get on a hot sauce high and then go to Manchucket Swamp. Manchucket? Manchucket. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so those are our stories for today, I think. Good stories. Yeah, we don't have any, since we haven't been able to post anything yet, we don't have any listener stories. Yeah. But if you do have some of your own stories, we would love to hear them because those are definitely the best stories to get are the personal, firsthand accounts of things. And you'll hear that I have a bunch of my own personal stories that I'll share over time. But I, we, would, we would really love to hear what you guys have to say. So if you want to share your stories with us, send them to us at drinkdrunkdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at drinkdrunkdead. So those are our social media accounts. But if you have stories, email them to us, please. If you put them on somewhere else, I'm not that technologically adept to be able to find all those stories. All you have to do is click messages. uh, No. uh -uh. Seriously, it's going to take me forever to just just post things. (laughs) So just send her a goddamn email. Yeah, send me the email. Um, Yes, so that's social media. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes because that'll help get us out to more listeners if you really liked this and hopefully it'll just keep getting better from here we've got some good stories lined up for you to come that we'll keep working on those ones that we had already recorded but apparently are going to re-record yeah keep the good stuff pumping out yeah and so i guess that's it let's raise a toast to, to the ghosts, the ghosts.